Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most gruesome, the most bizarre, the most heartless, high-profile homicides in Maryland are discussed, they are examined, and they are profiled. On this episode, the murder-suicide case of 16-year-old Diamond Williams is discussed as the focus for this season is high-profile murder-suicide cases. And on this episode, the unsolved double-shooting murder of 65-year-old Pinky Louise Ruffin is profiled. Now, as I stated earlier, for this season, season four, the focus has been on murder-suicides or basically people who have killed and then killed themselves. And the killer's motives, we have noticed that they have ranged from mental illness to, uh, you know, jealous boyfriends, I can't go on without you, to I'm just flat out mad as hell and I can't control my emotions, various reasons. But then there are some murder-suicide cases that occur in Maryland that just don't make no sense at all. I mean, the actions of the killer... They leave more questions than answers. It's not ex- everything is unexplained. Nobody knows why they did what they did. Like there's no real explanation, no real obvious motive for their actions. Now, all murder suicide cases, all of them are traumatic. You know, all of them are hard for the families of both the victim and the murderer. But when a murder suicide case happens for no obvious reason, in my opinion, that has to be extra brutal. It has to be more, has to be unbelievably difficult for the family of the victim to deal with. Now, let's take a look at the case of 16-year-old Diamond Williams. Diamond was like the perfect teenager, according to her parents. Not like some of the majority of the 16-year-old females that you see today who's obsessed with, you know, eyelashes and all this, all this irrelevant stuff. Diamond was focused and she was one of the top students in her class. Diamond knew where she was going in life. She came from a very supportive family with both her parents still in a home. And she gave her parents zero problems, never gave them any issues. She was a sophomore, she was a standout, she was a stellar student at Mergenthaler Vocational Technical High School, where she was a pretty popular cheerleader. She was a member of Mervo's modeling club. She had perfect attendance at the school, she got good grades. She was also a fan of the theater. Um, Diamond had roles in two school plays. One of the roles was for a part in uh, the play Annie with career aspirations of becoming either a theater actress or in the medical field, 
Diamond was extremely well liked by all of her teachers and her friends. Her English teacher told reporters for the Baltimore Sun, she was one of the sweetest, best kids I have ever met. I loved having her in class. I loved having her in class every day. She was going places. Now, Diamond also had a passion for helping people and she was enrolled in Mervo's nursing training program because she also wanted to be a nursing assistant. Another one of her teachers remembered how compassionate Diamond was when she volunteered to take care of two young elementary school kids who were in the Special Olympics. That teacher commented, she built a relationship with them within the first 10 minutes. She was there to set a good example for everyone. She was very curious about things all the time. Now, when in school, students learned about the, when, when, in, when in school, when they learned about the, the Holocaust tragedy, tragedy the, and Diamond, she begged the teachers to set up a class trip to the United States Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. because she had never seen it before. Another teacher who taught nursing at Mervo, she said that she was, Diamond was one of the most promising students. She had this bubbly, upbeat personality and she would often just say hello by giving hugs to people. This came from an emergency room nurse. As I said, Diamond came from a good, strong, supportive family and she lived in Baltimore City in the 3600 block of Wabash Avenue in Northwest Baltimore. Diamond had all of this going for her. Good grades, good parents, good family. She had a whole life ahead of her. She was literally not only doing everything right, she was excelling at it. She was exceeding at it. Killing the game as a 16-year-old female, focused. Now, 19-year-old Shaquille Anthony was a dude who apparently suffered from something undiagnosed or unknown to anybody, and he crossed paths with Diamond. According to people that knew Shaquille, he only started talking to Diamond just for a few days before she goes missing. Now, according to Diamond's family, she was a serious homebody who rarely ever even went outside, let alone at night. But on the night of Thursday, July 19th, 2013, after Diamond had received a phone call, she headed outside to go meet up with Shaquille. When two hours passed and her family hadn't heard nothing from the focused and well-mannered teen, they automatically knew that something was wrong. Something was off because her just disappearing was just so out of her character. The police were called and her parents filed a missing persons report immediately. Not satisfied with the way that the Baltimore City Police Department were responding to their daughters being missing, Diamond's family launched a search of their own immediately because they just knew, they just, just feel that something wasn't right. They searched looking for Diamond all throughout their Ashburton neighborhood. And around midnight, on the steps leading into the Salon L in the Ashburton Shopping Center in the 3100 block of Liberty Heights Avenue, just a few blocks from her home, Diamond's own father found his daughter 
barely alive. Her throat had been sliced from ear to ear and she was struggling to continue to breathe. 911 was immediately called and Diamond was rushed to Sinai Hospital where she was pronounced dead about 30 minutes later around 1.18 a.m. Her family had literally just seen her less than three hours earlier. Right about that same time, 19-year-old Shaquille was at a basketball court in the 800 block of Turnbridge Road near the Alameda Shopping Center in Northwest Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore. This was a basketball where he went to a lot, knew, knew everybody, you know, shooting baskets. But on this night, he was not there to play or practice any basketball. Shaquille was on a different mission, and as he walked on the court, he waved his gun around and ordered everybody off because he had his own business to take care of. Telling everybody who would listen, Shaquille told all the onlookers that he was going to kill himself right then and right there at the playground basketball court. And as several 911 calls started coming in about a man with a gun at a playground, Shaquille did just that shooting himself in the head in front of witnesses. At first, the investigators thought that this was just another random dude who decided to take his own life, but they quickly made the connection to the 16-year-old female who had just been discovered murdered in the stairwell and realized that Shaquille had murdered the teen shortly before taking his own life. Other than Shaquille committing suicide shortly after cutting Diamond's throat, him living close to her and reportedly liking her, there was no real obvious romantic connection between the two. They weren't no long-time couple who had just created a wreck of memories. They wasn't married. They had no kids together. They didn't no, have no history of boyfriend and girlfriend. So what would make Shaquille just zap out decide to cut a person's throat and then give him enough courage to put a gun to his own head and pull the trigger. Who knows? Unfortunately, Shaquille took all these answers with him to the grave. But a neighbor who did know Shaquille quietly commented to the Baltimore Sun in a statement that read, First off, I didn't think he would do anything like that. He was a good kid. Seemed like it played basketball all the time just all around nice guy now diamond's father also told reporters for the baltimore sun that diamond had been upset and distraught after she got off the phone right after she got off the phone that night and that diamond had been heading to go see shaquille on the night she was killed he told the baltimore sun my son actually followed her down and told her to come home but something had her upset so there are a lot of missing pieces to this puzzle because she never storms off. Diamond's father was also pissed with the shitty way he feels Baltimore City Police handled his daughter's case from the beginning. He tripped because he said the police treated his daughter like she was just some typical teenager running the streets doing her own thing. In a comment to the local news reporter, Diamond's father said, they didn't even open up a search party. They didn't put up a helicopter. They leave you to go find your own child. 
Diamond's mother added, Diamond was the sweetest person you could know. She had a good head on her shoulders. Diamond's murder completely shocked and devastated her family. I can't even imagine because they hardly knew anything about this dude. They knew nothing about him. I mean, all they knew was just that he lived in the neighborhood and he liked their daughter. Diamond's grandmother released a statement to the Baltimore Sun that read, This is something shocking to me. We don't know if she knew this young man. We, she looked forward to serve, serving the world. She tried to help everybody possible that she could help. We were starting to plan for her prom. We had a sweet 16 party for her. Her life was taken from her. Two teachers who knew Diamond also commented to reporters. She was one of those kids who everybody spoke to. She was such a pleasure to teach. I can't believe this happened to her. It just doesn't add up. She seemed like the girl who would stay as far away from anything that seemed like trouble. She is just such a good kid. She is going to be missed by a lot of people. Oof. Now, this homicide was notorious in Maryland because, first of all, uh, we have a lot of killings, we have a lot of shootings, a lot of stabbings and stuff like that. I wouldn't say we have a lot of murderers that go around cutting females' throats. I think that's what stood out first and foremost to me. Um, and also the way she, her, the way she was killed, the way she was discarded, just basically thrown on some steps. Um, that's a high frequent area around that way anyway. And, um, you know, just a, a apathetic, apathetical way that he just discarded of her. Like she was trash. Um, and there's also like no real motive. No real motive. I mean, um, from what published reports have said that they only knew each other for a couple days. I mean, that sounds weird. Um, it, it just stood out to me as a little weird that I believe it's had to be more to it than this. Um, I cannot for the life of me, what stood out to me for this case the most, um, which had the most impact on, on it for me, was that Diamond was discovered by her father. I, I can't even imagine um, him as a father, what he had been going through or what he might have been going through to discover something like that. I, I can't even put myself into his shoes and especially to be so close to her home and you know her home and stuff like that and to just seeing her hours earlier before discovering her murdered that had to have been devastating for him that had to have been traumatic for him I'm quite sure that is something that he'll never get over because like I said this this story left so many unanswered questions as to why Shaquille would do this first of all and then why would he take his own life and especially in a public manner the way he did you know out on a basketball court it was just a devastating series of events that I'm quite sure just completely devastated her family and just left them with so many unanswered questions like why and for what was this dude just mentally deranged I mean 
did he have some sort of weird fix fixation on their daughter? I mean, this one just boggles the mind. As I stated in, you know, previous episodes, you know, as I stated in, uh, you know, the previous episodes on the murder-suicide cases that, you know, people's reasoning for doing what they're doing, well, for doing what they do, they can range from a lot of reasons from, you know, being deranged, from being, you know, unable to deal with emotional trauma, such as someone separating from them or a boyfriend or a girlfriend leaving them or whatever. But, and hey, their, their, their only solution is that they feel like that they can cope is a murder-suicide. But in this particular case, like I said, for this one, what was the reason? What was the reason? Even if she was breaking up with him, they weren't together for, what, 48 hours? Less than a week? So, like I said, something seems a little off with this one, with with him. You know, maybe, um, you know, he left other clues. You know, maybe he left other signs that something was wrong mentally with him or something like that. And he crossed paths with Diamond that way. But in any event, this whole scenario was tragic, I believe. And like I said, these type of murder-suicide cases where there's so many unanswered questions, these have to be harder than the ones where a murderer labeled an excuse, you know, put the reasoning behind their actions as being, you know, um, mentally ill or upset that someone left them or they just don't know how to deal with their emotions. I mean, the ones like this has to be a lot worse than just someone zapping out and killing somebody because they had a gun and they were upset. Um, feel tremendous sorrow for her family because it's not it's not easy trying to raise up a, a female to be respectable, to be honored, and to have self-respect you know, you don't see a lot of women these days with a lot of, with self-respect, and it seems like her parents were doing just that, raising up a daughter with self-respect, and it's a shame that their dreams came shattering down at the hands of a mentally deranged dude. Moving on, this episode's unsolved homicide is the double shooting of 65-year-old. Pinky Louise Ruffin, and 22-year-old Marquise Lee Patterson. You know they don't call Baltimore Bodymore for no reason. People who have not lived in the city, they cannot believe that, yeah, there's damn near a shooting every day here. Damn near murder every day. And it could be for any number of reasons, too. Our, our murderers here, they don't discriminate. It's, it's not always drug-related. It's not always related to robbery or somebody pissing somebody off or revenge-related or something like that. Man, in Baltimore, you can get shot just because it's too damn hot and somebody got pissed off and they was in a bad mood. It's the random, out-of-the-blue drive-by shootings where an innocent bystander gets caught up in bullets. Those are the cases that are most difficult to solve because there's nothing, nothing to start with and detectives usually have, they got to piece the chain of events together. 
they don't know who the enemies were they don't know who the friends or the victim were it's just random and it's, it's harder to solve such as in the case of 65 year old pinky louise ruffin on saturday night april 14th 2018 22 year old marquise patterson had no idea that today was going to be the last day of his life in a targeted attack on him at around 11:30 p.m at around 11:30 p.m that night Marquise was shot in the 3900 block of West Mulberry Street in the Allendale neighborhood of Southwest Baltimore. Now, as he was being shot at, Pinky had just sat outside on her front porch where she was struck by one of those flying bullets. A neighbor who heard the shots, they gave a comment to the Baltimore Sun that said, she was watching TV in her home around 11.30 p.m., when all of a sudden she heard several gunshots. She waited a little bit before she got up. She looked out her front door. She saw a commotion up the street and she heard a woman yelling, they shot my grandmother, they shot my grandmother. Pinky's next door neighbor also released a statement that read, she just came out on the porch to sit down for some air and a bullet hit her. She was a nice person. Normally, that particular block of Mulberry Street is quiet and pretty because of all the cherry blossoms, trees that line up the street. And the neighbors usually mind their own business. Everybody knows each other. They speak to each other. They're homeowners. They stay out of each other's way. One of Pinky's neighbors who knew her and her boyfriend, they told reporters for the Baltimore Sun, I can't believe something like this would happen in this neighborhood. It's fairly quiet. We just go to work, we come home, and we do it all over again every day. He said the couple always talked about moving because of all the violence in Baltimore. Both Marquise and Pinky were rushed to a local hospital. But unfortunately, both were pronounced dead. And guess what? You already guessed it. The police have zilch. They have nothing. They have nada. And they need your help. This was somebody's grandmother, y'all. I mean, caught up in the crossfire. Do the right thing, people. You know, if you have any information that can lead to an arrest or conviction in this case, please call Cold Case Squad, the Cold Case Detectives, at 410-396-2100. That's all they do is solve cold cases. It's not like they're, you know, focusing on the new homicides, the new, what, 200 plus that we have right now, but they focus on cold cases or cases that are difficult to solve. This is what they do. So once again, that number is 410-396-2100-2100. You can also call detectives at one 866 seven lockup or you can send them a text message to 443-902-4824 you can even email them at homicide tips as tips with an s at baltimorepolice.org once again those numbers are cold case squad detectives at 
396-2100. You can also call them at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. Or you can send a text message to 443-902-4824. Or you can email them at homicidetips, that's tips with an S, at baltimorepolice.org. You can remain anonymous, people. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates on future spine-tingling, hair-raising, high-profile episodes. And also for my paid subscribers, be sure to check out the real, the raw, the unedited truth of why I do what I do and how and why I got into true crime. A lot of people think I just woke up one day fascinated with killers and murders and blood and gore and all this other stuff and just started writing about criminals and murderers and rapists and they thought I'd, I'd run a podcast, put out all true crime books and do all this other stuff just because I got a weird mind. <laughs> I mean, part of that's true, but not all of it. You know, this was no overnight success. It wasn't something that just happened randomly. It wasn't no easy decision by any means either, but there's definitely a method and a motive for all of this madness. It wasn't something I just, you know, just woke up one day and just all of a sudden was just into serial killers and stuff like that. So be sure to check out that episode on, um, uh, you can also find that episode on the new uh, website, which I was just about to mention. Be sure to check, pay a visit to the new website, which is www.Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. And uh, Maryland is MDS. Uh, spell, well, it's not Maryland spelled out. It's um, www.MDSMostNotoriousMurders.com. And check out this website to get immediate access on all of the episodes, not just for season four, but all of my previously recorded episodes that have been released to date. All of the episodes are there. We had the uh, season one, which was the child killers. We had season two, which were teen killers, teenage murderers. We had season three, which was boyfriend, girlfriend, relationship type murderers. And now we're on season four, which is uh, murder suicides. Uh, we have one more episode of uh, Merlin, um, the murder suicide cases, and then we'll be moving on to another focus of that particular season, which will be season five. So, also on that website, they also include the links to all the books that are related to this pod, uh, to this podcast, entitled Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, 1990s to 2008, Maryland's Unsolved Homicides, Volume One. Uh, I wrote a book called Until I Get Caught, The True Story of a Serial Rapist in Baltimore, which is so raw, they labeled that, that was contraband in prison. I mean, it's crazy, but you can also check out my local bestseller, which is Junkie, A True Baltimore Story, and my own story, which is Child of Baltimore. All of these links and all of these books, they're available for immediate download on the website, which is, again www.mdsmostnotoriousmurders.com Be sure to tune in next week 
where the season finale of season four, all the murder-suicide cases, it will be profiled, it will be examined, and it will be discussed. This is an episode next week where you do not want to miss. This has been a Savage Life production. Thanks for tuning in.